Who are we? What are we doing here? Why did God start this church in the first place? These are great questions that demand answers. This is us. We are a Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, mission-focused movement living all for Jesus. This is more than a phrase. This is a definition of life. A life built by God. Your life built by God. This life of connection, growth, service, and contagious sharing, this is a life that honors God. This is us. For 135 years, this church has made a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. This commitment has not and will not fade because this is us, all for Jesus. Have you ever been just excited for something to happen? For, for a day to finally get there? Maybe it's uh, your birthday. You excited about that? Yeah, the older you get, the less excited about that you get. Christmas, you excited for that? Yeah, your wedding day. Were any of y'all excited for that? For that? I think Tara was very excited for our wedding day because, you know, <laughs> maybe she was nauseous. I can't remember. But I'm excited about this day because today we start this whole process over the next eight weeks talking about really who we are as a church family and what is God, why has God put us in this time and place? Now, some of y'all just think you came to church today. Think you just walked in the door, gonna hear a little preaching, do a little singing, get a little pig in the blanket, and out you go back into the cool 72-degree weather that we have. But you stepped into history. You stepped into a movement that's been going on longer than you can, well, any of you have been alive. You've stepped into something that God has been doing for a long time. You know, the story of our lives matter. Your story matters. My story matters. The story of this church matters. This church is 135 years old. We're going to celebrate a birthday party on uh, October 27th. How's that sound? Bouncy houses, hot dogs, hamburgers, cake. I mean, the whole thing. There may be even a dunking booth where you could dunk Pastor Scott. I've dunked enough of y'all. It's your turn. So it's going to be, I'm excited about this. It's over this next eight weeks. But let me tell you the story about us. This is us. This is church. In 1884, Texas was a wild, untamed place. The Comanches were still roaming. The freshness of the Texas uh, Republic rising and the bitter pain of the Civil War was still a reality. And people were flooding westward from the southern states, places like Tennessee and Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana and Georgia coming this way to find land and, and hope for a new freedom. Some were running from their brokenness of their past. They'd fallen into sin and trepidation, and they were fleeing from their families who knew they were, who they were to come into a place where they could start over. Uh, guys like Travis, who died at the Alamo, was one of those kind of guys, fleeing from the failures, and now he's part of our Texas legacy, our Texas lore. But in 1884, a small group of people here in Wimberley, Texas, around Jacob's Well, started a church. They started a church. And now they started this church knowing that a gospel outpost had to be reached here because when people are relocating, they're more open to spiritual things than any other time. You know, transition and tension open people up to the gospel. So they started this work. They had a great commitment to biblical authority. They said, we want to be a church that holds the Bible in high regard. Actually, the Bible is our sole authority. No creed, 
really no denomination, but they identified themselves as Baptistic or Baptist because the Baptists of those day and of this day are considered people who hold the Bible to be central, the Bible to be authoritative. Also, they believed in baptizing after you trusted Christ, not before, but afterwards. In fact, the, the title Baptist was given to us slanderously. They called us those baptizers. And so we just flipped it and made it a moniker. And just said, we're Baptists. Now, remember the denominational labels you wear, when they, you go up, they fall off. When you go down, they burn off. They don't matter. Yeah, they don't matter. You got that? But they were identifying themselves with an independent mindset that said, we're going to be independent as a local congregation, but we're going to cooperate with others who are like-minded to do good in the world that we cannot do by ourselves. That was this group in, in 1884. They started this church. But I want to give you some more details about how it's progressed. They had a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission because they knew that that would grow a great church. In fact, we still have that great commitment to those two biblical mandates. But let me share some things with you that, that I think will help you. We as a family, as a church family, have used five different locations uh, during our, our time together. We have never identified ourselves by a building or land or a location. We always identified ourselves as a family. Did y'all know that? Five locations. This is the last of five, and we sit on 32 acres of land here in the heart of the hill country that even us having this land is a miracle of God, a miracle of God. Uh, there, this, there's no telling how much this land is worth right now. Actually, there will be telling because the bank will do an assessment. They will tell us how much it's worth. There were seasons that we shared our buildings with other congregations, with the Christian church and with the Methodists, and we, we shared our buildings. We didn't say, these are ours, you can't use them. We had a spirit, a community spirit that says, our buildings are welcome to be used by anyone. And you know what? We still have that same spirit. We still use our buildings. When our community wants a big gathering, where do they come? First Baptist. What do we charge them? Nothing. Nothing. They like us for that. And that's been our spirit since 1884. There were seasons of disasters that this family led the way in embracing the whole community, bringing rescue and recovery. Not just the floods of 2015, where this church responded amazing with generosity and passion and courage, but other times in the past when cataclysmic things would happen in Wimberley, this congregation, this family, this 1884 tribe would reach and, and, and do whatever it took to rescue people. This church has always been Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, and missional-focused movement, family, living all for Jesus. It's always been who we are, and that's how we're going to be. Now get this. This church has had 17 pastors in its 135 years, the last pastor being the most intelligent and best-looking. <laughs> I might have added that. But that's amazing. Some served long, some short. All served at the call and the direction and discretion of God. This church, this, I found this to be amazing. This church has changed her name five times. Five times. We weren't always First Baptist. In fact, that only happened in 1977. We gave us our name of First Baptist. We were Wimberley Baptist Church before that. Then uh, Jacobs Well Missionary Baptist Church. Jacobs Well Missionary Baptist Church at Wimberley. I mean, we, we had five different names. 
And the reason we had that, this church, through the years, this family has understood that names matter and prayerfully changed her name to better reflect their our beliefs and the ability to reach people all for Jesus. This church has taken risk and expected God to come through. Some were successful, some weren't. We took risk on purchasing property and starting satellite campuses that, that didn't make, that didn't fold. But the Lutherans are enjoying our mistake right now out on Ranch Road 12. God is, uh, this church has sponsored several church plants like Connection Church in Kyle, where Cole Phillips is the pastor. He was a part of our, our family. Uh, he went there. Cypress Creek Church in Wimberley. Uh, Rob Campbell was our student pastor who started Cypress Creek. Foundation Church in Dripping Springs, a brand new two-year-old church plant. We've been involved in helping them along with a lot of other church plants. In fact, Tara and I, were, we're last week we were at First Baptist Uvalde where we're coaching them through transition. First Baptist Uvalde started in 1882. So they're older than we are, and they've been in their same location since 1882. So they, they have not moved, and I think some of their people were born in 1882. <laughs> this church has developed pastors and leaders by bringing them in, building them up, training them forward, and sending them out. I was at a pastor's office in Tucson, Arizona, this was like a week after I had preached here because y'all needed a preacher one Sunday. It's before I even became the interim. I was in Tucson helping a church there, consulting. And I was sitting in this pastor's office and I looked on his wall of fame. You know, all of us pastors have our, our, our credentialing, you know, our education, our diplomas and our ordination and all that other hootenanny up on the wall. And I was looking at his hootenanny wall and saw ordination, First Baptist Church, Wimberley, Texas. I went, you gotta be kidding me. And I said, when did you live in Wimberley? And he told me his story. And even then, this church has had that kind of influence. This church has given generously to missions and has been engaged in the greater work of God through the Southern Baptist Convention and other state and local entities. Y'all, last year, our giving to missions was over $250,000. Isn't that incredible? This... Isn't that incredible? <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Well, hard, hard crowd this morning. Now, here's, here's the cool thing. There's a lot of huge churches in Texas. Do y'all know that? I mean, big old 10, 15, 20,000 people a weekend churches. This church, First Baptist Wimberley Church, was 18th in the state of Texas in giving to missions. 18th. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, we've been a generous church. This church has sent folks all over the world. We've trained pastors and, spot and, and responded, encouraged whenever help was needed. In fact, our Building Lives Conference is coming up at the end of this month, September 26th and 27th, a Thursday and Friday. I need you, some of y'all, to volunteer to help with that. We got pastors coming from Cuba and from Costa Rica and from, uh, uh, from New York and, and other places throughout Texas, we really have no idea who all is going to come yet because they won't register, right, Amber? But we're expecting about 100 pastors representing churches here to be trained and to be encouraged. Uh, Y'all, I'm going to Nicaragua later. In fact, Mitch is going with me. Mitch, where are you? Mucho gusto, brother. Okay, right there. Uh, I think 400 pastors are waiting on us in Nicaragua for us to train them. How exciting is that? That this is this church. We have been this church through these years. That's so exciting to me. As I share those things, I share this, that God has started this church and continues to do this church because it's his church. 
It belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. But we step into this place in history that we can, we can focus in on who we are. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to really discover who we really are. And here's some requests of you. Don't miss a weekend. If you're not going to physically be here, join us online. Uh, you can go to our Facebook Live page and join us online and watch. And, 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 or you could download our, our messages off, our, off our, our, our website. That you could be a part of everything that's going on. Get in a group while you're here. Uh, if you say, well, Scott, I don't have a group and I don't have time. Find two or three people and just watch the videos we provide for you off our website. And, and get, click on that button and get all our resources. Spend time with the Lord. We provide a devotional reading for you during this series. Harvest all these things. Don't miss an opportunity so we can have a robust experience of what God is doing in and for and through us. And then, y'all, at the end of eight weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to pledge to give to provide space for future generations. Space for our kids, space for students, uh, parking. Lord knows we need parking, right? Y'all know we need parking, right? Some of y'all parked in the back 40, you brought the mule train in. Yeah, that's 1884 for you. But this is, this is an opportunity for us to really expand and exceed what God wants us to do. So lean into this, because why? This is us. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Now, this morning, I want to share with you perhaps one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 103. I used to hear my grandparents quote Psalm 103 when I was a little kid. And I want to take you through that passage to show you who we really are in God's sight. You think that's going to be helpful? That's five of you. That's so exciting. You think that's going to be helpful? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you want to say to us this morning. And I pray that you'll speak through me. That will not be my thoughts or my words or my opinion, but your truth that sets us free. Thank you for what you're going to do. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Now go ahead and take out your, your stuff that you could write on, your notes you could write on. I do want to thank Wyatt Warren for preaching for us last week while we were gone. Uh, thanks, Wyatt, for what he does. I will say this. I listened to Wyatt's sermon. I am Scott Weatherford. I have my shirt untucked and I do not have socks on, okay? And some of y'all recognize that he started taunting me that way. And some of y'all are really care less about my socks. But anyway, there, there it is. Let me look for you. Let me, uh, let me look at this passage and let me speak to, my, to your hearts out of it. This is what God, look at what God does for us. Psalm 103, look at what God does for us. Let me read Psalm 103, 1. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Bless the Lord. I will praise the Lord my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget all the good things he does for me. You know what? I have a tendency, instead of looking at all the good things God does for me, to looking at all the good things I want God to do for me. Aren't y'all the same? Sometimes you find you're praying and what you're doing is you're kind of making a, almost a Christmas wish list for God. God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. But what God wants you to do, he wants you to shift your focus off your what your need is to what he is. I heard a pastor say this. We're so often seeking God's hand that we don't seek his face. We're wanting what God can do for us instead of who God is. And so when I bless the Lord, when I praise him, I shift my focus. Do you know the older you get, 
the more you have a tendency to become inward focused and selfish. And you start worrying about yourself and you start focusing on yourself. And the older you get, now if you start off as a young selfish person, you're really going to be selfish when you get older. But if you start now to look outward and to say, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to look at him and I'm not going to consider what I need. I'm going to consider what God wants for me. And I'm going to start living my life in a bigger scope. Instead of my personal need, I'm going to live for the needs of God. And you know what God's word says? I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor God seen beg for bread. That when you focus on me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure your needs are met. I'm going to make sure your belly is full and your heart is happy and your relationships are rich when you focus on me. But when you focus on you, you're going to get what you focus on. If you focus on you, you're going to get a, a cesspool of selfishness. When you focus on God, you get a fountain of life. And I'm not going to forget what you've done for me. And I shift my focus. And I thought, I started thinking about this this week. And as I was writing this talk, I wrote it on Monday. When I wrote this talk, I thought, how often do I, I focus on me and I don't focus on God? But then I look at what he's done for me. Let's listen to this list. It goes on to say this in the Psalms. He forgives all my sins. How many sins does he forgive? That's going to take God a while for some of y'all, isn't it? Yeah, I'm good at sinning. How about you? I'm a sin expert. How about you? Yeah. Look at your neighbor and tell him, tell him you're just a sinner. Will you just go ahead and say that to them? You can say right back at you, Jack. You are too. Yeah. But you know what God loves to do? God loves to turn sinners into saints. And he does that by forgiving all of our sins. He heals all our diseases. I got some dear friends that were just diagnosed with cancer. But I will tell you something. Cancer is not your definition. God is your definition. Cancer is temporary. When you die and you go be with Jesus, you ain't got cancer no more, and you're more alive than you've ever been. Death, where's your victory? A grave, where's your sting? It's been swallowed up in the cause in, in, in Christ. Death is not our enemy. Death is a sweet release. Now listen to this, okay? The goal of this life is not heaven. The goal of this life is to live all for Jesus. The reward is, is heaven. It's heaven. I, I got a diagnosis this week that I didn't like. I went to see the eye doctor and because I'm having trouble seeing out of my right eye. He says, you have no vision in your right eye. All you can see is fuzzy colors. If I close my eyes, some of y'all are Miss America and Mr. Universe because it's fuzzy. And so, but he's going to fix it. But here's the deal. One day, one day, I'm not going to need a doctor because I'll be with King Jesus and I will see forever. See forever. And that's the victory that Christ promises us. He heals all our diseases. He redeems us from death. Oh, my. The last few months, I've buried some very good friends of mine. And because I know that they belong to Jesus, death has been swallowed up in victory. One day, one day, Tara will lay me in the arms of Jesus or I will lay her in the arms of Jesus. Uh, Bundy, we had off after I wrote my sermon, I took Tara to the movies and before 
the movie started, I, I just had a moment of inspiration. I wrote a poem. And in this poem, I said, one day, my voice will be silent. One day. But my voice doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. And that voice will go on and on and on because it came from him all along. I may share that in my shout out this week with you. He redeems me from death. I have nothing to fear. He crowns me with tender mercies. I love this. He crowns me. You know what that means? He, he literally takes tender mercy and he puts it on my head. He said, and you know why he puts it on my head? Because I'm crazy. And I got crazy thoughts. Am I by myself? Yes. Okay. And he crowns me. What he does is he places tender mercy on my head. You know what it means? What tender mercy is? Tender mercy is love that is unending and mercy that extends beyond myself to a thousand generations. He crowns, he puts it on my head. He said, now wear that. Put that in your mind. Put that on your head. I will crown you with tender mercy. That's what I'm going to do for you. Wow. He fills my life with good things. With good things. Friday night, I ate dinner at a restaurant that I do not like. I ate food that I normally would not eat. Do you know why? Because my life was filled with good things called Lily and Ivy. And when you got grandkids, you'll eat a happy meal and be happy. And the truth is, okay, good things. What are the good things of my life? Man, that caused me to do some inventory. And I came up with a list. Tara, boy, she's a good thing. Friendships I have with you guys, it's a good thing. I stood on my back porch and I looked out over the hill country. And I said, this is a good thing. Good thing. I wiped my brow in 105 degree temperature and said, this ain't such a good thing. But fall is coming, that blessed one day, and then it's gone. But I think about my kids and my grandkids, and it's good things, and you guys, it's good things. And I realize that things aren't things, things are people. God has filled my life with good people and good things. Now, I will say Kelly Evers Barbecue at Creekside Cookers is a good thing, but he fills my belly with good things. But you think about that and do the inventory of your life. This is what God has done for you, but it gets better. It gets better. Let me go on. He corrects my wrongs. He corrects my wrongs. And you know what? God doesn't deal with me as I deserve but he fixes me and coaches me and corrects me when I'm wrong. He gives, me, he gives character to leaders. And then they lead with wisdom. We need to pray for our politicians, don't we? We need to pray that somehow character would descend on Washington so they could lead with wisdom. Don't, don't we need to pray that? You know what? You need to pray for that for your pastor. That character would descend on me so I could lead with wisdom. He is compassionate and filled with unfailing love. You know, most of us don't view God that way. 
We view God as, well, he's going to be out to get you, but he's not. He's filled with compassion and unfailing love. Man, I remember my parents saying this to me. We're always going to love you. No matter what decisions you make, we're always going to love you. And I have stood with my kids with tears streaming down my face and my heart completely broken by their decisions and the words have fallen out of my mouth. I'm always going to love you because love is a decision based on commitment. It is not an emotion, even though it brings strong emotions. It's a commitment. And God says this, I am committed to you, to you. I am not going to give up on you. I'm committed to you. This is what God's done for us. Take this thought. God never looks on you without love. When he looks at you, he loves you. He can't help it. He loves you. Listen to what the psalmist says in verse 9. He will not constantly accuse us, nor will he remain angry forever. That's good. He does not punish us for all our sins as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is great as the heights of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. What? You see, God is the redeemer. And it's not just about heaven. It's about redeeming your life. What does it mean to redeem? It means to be bought back. Now I'm going to tell a story that anybody younger than 50 won't understand. But there used to be guys younger than 50. There used to be a thing called green stamps. Anybody remember green stamps? Raise your hand. You show your age. All right, green stamps. My mother used to correct, collect green stamps. And when she got a book of green stamps or several books of green stamps, we would go to the green stamp store and she would exchange it for worthless stuff. And it was a big, exciting thing. Mama would get those green stamps and she'd buy groceries, they'd give green stamps. And I don't know what, how they made their money. They're no longer in business. It's kind of like Groupon, okay? Y'all got that? Kind of like Groupon. And, uh, and she would exchange it for stuff you didn't need or didn't want. It would break within a two-day two period. But she would redeem worthless for worthless. God redeems worthless for glory. You, who are a child of the devil, God redeems and makes you a child of the Most High God. That's better than green stamps, isn't it? And then he never gives you back. You never get returned. You become a new person. Andrea read it today. Those who are in Christ are new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. Wow. God looks at me with love. He takes our mess and our misery and he makes a message and a ministry. That's what he loves to do. You say, well, I'm a dumpster fire. God says, good. I'm going to use that dumpster fire to warm the world. I'm going to do that. 
Well, I'm in misery. Great. Let's leverage all of that. Let's, let's get all the goody out of misery so that when you minister, you minister with effectiveness because you got the stain of misery. And I'm going to dye your heart so I can use your heart. Wow. He does not accuse us. Do you know Satan's the accuser? That's what he does. Satan accuses you. Satan loves to remind you of your brokenness. This is what Satan does. You'll come to Jesus. You'll get saved. The Lord will work in your heart. And Satan says, yeah, but you used to. You remember when you did? And the list goes here. You remember how? How do you think? You think God can accept you? Ooh, you get in that baptism of waters, you're going to kill the fish. <laughs> going to accuse you. Because that's what Satan does. Let me say this to you. Listen, when we encourage one another, we're like Jesus. When we accuse one another, we're like Satan. My mother, she's sweet until she lost her mind with Alzheimer's. She was so sweet. My mother never said a bad word about anybody. You'd even bring up the devil and she said, well, he has a really nice red suit. <laughs> Couldn't even say anything bad about the devil. Because she wanted to be like Jesus, not like the accuser. Do you know when we start slandering and gossiping, we're like the devil. When we start being critical and negative, we're like the devil. I was watching Texas football last night and I was acting like the devil. <laughs> I was watching Florida State football and I was screaming at the devil. Because it doesn't matter. You know, Think about it. I want to be like Jesus. Not like, and here, here's what he's, the Lord says. He removes your sins from you as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. When you come to the Lord, he forgives all of your sins. Remember we talked about that earlier? And he doesn't remember them. I remember as a kid sitting in church, listening to, to uh, revival preachers. They said, when you die, when you die, the Lord's got a big TV screen. He's going to put up there in heaven. He's going to play all your sins on that screen. And you're going to have to give an account for all those sins before you get to heaven. Liar. God doesn't remember. He doesn't remember. I think preachers told you that stuff to manipulate you, to make you do what they wanted you to do, instead of giving you freedom that you are forgiven, you are free. When Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. You are no longer condemned. You are no longer who you were. You are who God says you are. And he says, you are my child. We sang that robustly today. Wow. If you hear nothing else I say to you today, let me tell you, he frees you from condemnation, from being accused. And when Satan reminds you of your past, you can remind him of his future and you can say, burn, baby, burn. And it sets you free. Hmm. Now, as we move forward to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and we move forward as a church, I guarantee we're going to get accused. We're going to get attacked. We're going to get criticized. So what? So what? I have a dear friend of mine who's a pastor in Southern California. He's lived all for Jesus his whole life, and he gets attacked all the time. You know what I say to his attackers? Shut your pie hole. 
This guy's living all for Jesus. You know, he never attacks anyone because he wants to be like Christ, not like Satan. Your family will be attacked. The attacks will come from inside our family and outside our family. But you know what? If we're living all for Jesus, let's do this. Let's give them something to talk about. Talk about love. All for Jesus. Right? Y'all didn't know I was going to sing today, did you? It might get better. You see, there's no karma for a believer, only mercy. You don't get what you deserve. You get mercy. You get mercy. Get mercy. Understanding means, yeah, okay, I get it. Uh, Grace means, you know, yeah, we're going to forgive you. Mercy means I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give all to you. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you understanding. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm not, you know, the language of heaven is mercy. Did you know that? God speaks fluent mercy and he gives us mercy without limit. And his mercy is new every morning. He's got a fresh batch of mercy coming out of the oven for you every morning. I can live then in the reality of being forgiven and we can live in the reality of being forgiven. I can escape the shadow of condemnation. I can escape the shadow of accusation and I can live in freedom and we can live in freedom. And this is us. We are the freed people. We have a father, not a worthless father who just throws us aside or doesn't care for us, but we have a father. His name's God Almighty. Of all the titles I have, father's my favorite one because I want to be a good daddy to my children. I had a good daddy. Some of y'all didn't have good daddies. And when you say God's a father, it kind of makes you go, whoa, (laughs) he comes home drunk and beats mama. No. He's the father you've been looking for. He's the father who loves you. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He knows how weak we are. He gets it. He he remembers we're only dust. He made us. He knows we're just dust. He knows we're not superhuman. He he knows we need him. We're not immortal until he changes us, and then we are immortal, and he loves us. I love this. Tender and compassionate. Most, most people don't view daddies that way, but that's what God says a daddy ought to be, tender and compassionate, because that's how he is. Tender and compassionate. We don't see God as that way, but that's the way he is. Tender and compassionate. And he remembers we're dust. Here's the last thought. He never gives up on you. He'll never give up on you. Our days on earth are like Grass. Like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we're gone as though we've never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commands. How can I be faithful to his covenant? By giving your life to Christ, who is the new covenant. By saying, Jesus, I'm yours. 
How can I keep his commands? By saying, Jesus, I'm yours. By having a salvation experience that changes me from who I am now to who God says I am. Becoming a child of the most high God by intentionally giving him my life. And by this church intentionally giving ourselves to him, we become who he says we are. And this is us, the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Wow. We have a short shelf life. I heard a country song the other day said, we ain't here for a long time, but we're here for a good time. Y'all hear that? And I think their definition of good time is a little different from the Lord's definition of good time. I don't think honky talking and whoremongering is part of having a good time. Just saying. But we are here for a God time. A God time. We have a love that extends to eternity and a legacy that extends beyond us. In 1884, I guarantee those folks did not think that in 2019, a group of people would be gathered here to worship King Jesus, but they lived in such a way that they would see that day. And 135 years from now, if the Lord tarries, there'll be a group of people, may not be in this room, may not be in this location, may have a different name, but they will be worshiping King Jesus if the Lord has not come back. Because this nation may fail. IBM may fail. Google may fail. Facebook may fail. But the Lord's church will never fail. Period. And that's what you're a part of. This is us. So will we live in such a way that the gospel is extended? Will we give in such a way in these, this season of, of committing financially to add space and parking? Will we give in such a way that this gospel will be extended? Will we allow this to be our finest hour? Will we choose to praise the Lord? So we should examine ourselves. An unexamined life is a dangerous life. In fact, uh, Plato, I think, has said it's not worth living. Let me ask you some questions. Are you, am I, passionately living all for Jesus? Are we kind of, eh, every now and then? When it comes to mind, eh, am I all in? Am I living for God's glory or for my own? Am I living to make Jesus famous or me famous? I heard criticism this past week where somebody in this town said, Scott Weatherford, it's all about him and that book he's writing. Really? Kind of hurt. You know why it kind of hurt? Because it might be true. And I have to take a look at my life. Am I living all for me? Am I living all for Jesus? Huh. Am I influenced by the Holy Spirit? Or am I influenced by culture? Am I more worried about what my Instagram followers think or King Jesus thinks? Is there sin to confess? Is there habits to break, hurts to be healed, hang-ups that need to be put aside? Condemnation that I'm speaking needs to stop? Am I willing to give beyond myself? Tara and I haven't begun to talk about this, but we will. I begin to think about it. I'm sure she has. We haven't talked about what are we going to give above and beyond our regular giving to provide space for students and for kids and for family and for parking? What are we going to do? 
We haven't discussed it yet, but we're going to do something. In fact, right now we're going through a season of reordering so we can be very generous. But you know what I do? Ain't none of your business. And what you do ain't none of my business. But what we do together is for God's business. Am I willing to do these things to say, okay, Jesus, I'm yours. Some of y'all have never heard a talk like this before. You've never even thought that God loves you with tender mercy. You never thought that God is compassionate. You never thought that God is forgiving. You never thought that God extends his blessing to you. You never thought God was going to take care of you. But you know what he is. This is, this is truth. He is. And in 1884, this church established itself that we might live all for Jesus in 2019 and beyond. And you've stepped into history. And so let's extend history for King Jesus. And let's make a commitment to Christ as Lord and live that way in the family of faith together. And let's watch our family grow and grow and grow and grow and grow all for God's glory. What do you think? about that. Some of you need to give your lives to Christ today. You've never trusted him. He's not your Lord. You need to pray and ask God to, Christ to come into your heart. You need to do that. Okay, I'll help you. Do it. Some of you need to come back to Jesus. You've gotten cold and indifferent and you're just kind of like, you know, whatever, we'll show up at church and, you know, go get something to eat. But, you know, that's no way to live. You need to come back. Some of us, me, some of you, need to go further with Jesus. Let's go further. Let's live bigger lives. Let's live for his glory. Why? Because this is us. You have in your bulletin a card. I want you to pull it out. It says, because of Jesus, I am. Just pull it out and wave it at me. I want you to see it. You, you got it. Uh, some of you, yeah, it's in that packet of stuff, that pile of stuff. If you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out. I want y'all to take them and wave them at me. Just wave them at me. Okay, if you got them, okay? All right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a pen and I want you to write your answer. Because of Jesus, I am. I don't want you to put your name on it. I just want you to write you might want to write, I'm, I am forgiven. I am made new. I'm healed. I'm set free. You, my, some of y'all are very verbose. You might want to write front and back. That's fine. Just write that. And outside as you go out, there are pegboards I want you just to hang your statements on. Because I want everyone to enjoy what Jesus is doing in all of us. And we're going to leave them up. And we'll give you a chance to read them. And look at, because of Jesus, I am. And we're going to save those. So we're going to do something with them. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we're going to do something with them artistically. So I want you to do that, to take advantage of that. But now I want us to make commitments. Spiritually, personal, corporate commitments that change us.